Well, I too would like to welcome you all and thank you for coming. I would like to uh, read from Whispers from Eternity. Uh, this is the first reading under prayers of devotion and Master wrote, I bring to thee the myrrh of devotion. With folded hands, bowed head and heart laden with the myrrh of reverence, I come to thee. Thou art my parents, I am thy child. Thou art the master. I am ready to obey the silent command of thy voice. I conjured the fragrant devotion of all hearts and mixed it with my tears. Now I am eager to wash thy feet in silence. A river of my ardent crystal tears of craving rushes forth to meet thee. Wilt thou see that my boisterous flood of devotion be not lost in the desert of disappointment? Wilt thou see that my mad flood of devotion follow always the right course which leads to thee? I think the answer is yes. The topic is uh, by thinking can we arrive at understanding? I always get a little nervous thinking that someone might come to Ananda and think, well, they're against thinking. <laughs> and uh, uh, we're not. <laughs> Swami Kriyananda was probably, or was, the most prolific philosopher among the disciples of Paramahansa Yogananda. I think he wrote 140 books. Uh, so he was certainly a prolific philosopher and was in favor of thinking. Uh, but what we need is we need to attune our thinking to the divine guidance and the intuition. Otherwise, as it's said in the reading, we can go astray. I love this reading because you can just picture these young rabbis and scribes and Pharisees coming to Jesus Christ, who turns out to be the savior of their religion, probably, um, promised throughout the entire Old Testament, sitting down with them, and they want to discuss kosher rules of etiquette for eating. And they're talking to an avatar. They're talking to a prem avatar, an incarnation of divine love, and they want to discuss hygiene. <laughs> I'm all for hygiene. <laughs> but the point is uh, that, as Yogananda said, God watches the heart. And all the books in the world, and all the writings, and all the philosophy in the world, if it doesn't have the love of God in it, it's not going to take us to self-realization. It's not going to bring us to the state which we are seeking, which is realization of the self. And that's why I read this reading from Whispers. Uh, the devotion that is part and parcel of Yogananda's teachings was always stressed by Kriyananda. Uh, he came to master with a slightly intellectual bent because he was a brilliant philosopher and a student of philosophy. 
I'd like to point out something else about Swami Kriyananda. He wrote the play, The Peace Treaty, which is one of his most philosophical works about government and human interaction. And he wrote it when he was 15 years old, I think, maybe 16, but in that era. And if you've ever read The Peace Treaty or seen it performed, the philosophy of government and the rule is incredibly deep. I always hope that we could have it performed for the United Nations or the US Congress, but it hasn't happened yet. Uh, but the Swami came to Yogananda with that bent, but Yogananda saw that with just a little bit of his guru-given guidance, he could awaken the intense devotion of uh, Brother Kriyananda whom he made the head of the monks. And Kriyananda became, the, you know, one of the great chanters of um, that organization because he had so much devotion. By the time he was ready to begin Ananda, Swamiji would and did write uh, books on philosophy, uh, and yet he stressed always as he began Ananda and as we grew and clarified our work and our purpose that devotion was the main thing. God watches the heart. And so it became important for us to focus on that and keep the philosophy. Swamiji wrote uh, you know, many philosophical books into the labyrinth used to be called crisis in modern thought, out of the labyrinth. <laughs> That's the way out, not the way in. Most of the world is interested in going into the labyrinth. We want to get out. But the point is that he wrote book, and it wasn't a very popular book. I think he, he liked the fact that I told him once it was one of my favorite books that he ever wrote. I think I got a lot of points for that one. <laughs> because his philosophy went over people's head because uh, it was so deep, but Master used to say, make your heart a hermitage. And that's important and has always been a foundation of our work. Did you know that Anandamoy Ma didn't know how to read? <laughs> and yet philosophers would come to her to explain the scriptures because she went by vibration and consciousness. And that is what we have to do. We have to, yes, we have to learn the teachings uh, and we have to understand them. But if our wisdom guides our intellect, the brain can be a great asset. If wisdom does not guide our intellect, we can go all sorts of places. I love this reading in the part where they, um, Swami talks about uh, the, the hair-splitting philosophy of the early um, Pharisees and scribes. And in case you don't know, there are many Christian philosophers in 2023 who are really into definitions and uh, philosophical hair splitting such that it brings them to ridiculous conclusions. <laughs> I sometimes listen to um, uh, philosophers, Christian philosophers, because Christianity is 
predominant in this country. Um, but I find it also in Hindu philosophers and Sufi philosophers and Muslim philosophers. But they keep the intellect going and they keep deductions going, but they're under the influence of the dark force into the labyrinth forces. And their conclusions are mind-numbing, one of them being that Christ is the only way, and if you accept Christ as your ultimate savior, that's the only way you can get to heaven. It leaves out all the Hindus in the world, all the Christians, <laughs> a lot of Christians, a lot of Muslims, a lot of shamans, a lot of people are left out in the cold. And yet, they don't open their heart to the reality that their brothers and sisters are sincerely trying to follow the path that they have to God. I will reason, I will will, I will act, but guide thou my reason, will, and activity to the right path in everything. Master said that was his highest prayer. By the way, since he was a Hindu, he said that many paths were the highest, highest prayer. But it, the point is, it's the center of our practice. Guide thou my reason, will, and activity to the right path in everything. That's what we have to do. We have to ask the Divine Mother to guide our thoughts and to use, to paraphrase my grandmother, uh, a lady from Ireland, use your head for something besides a hat rack. And, and uh, that, that's, I, I love grandma's advice. You know, she, it's important. But Swamiji would ask us to think and to philosophize in his books go into this philosophy in many, many ways and on many, many points. But with the main measure that you can use, that he asked us to use, that Master used, was what is the feeling of the philosophy? What, what do you derive from this book? I used to read books in college and I would feel so heavy and so spent after reading them. I go, how can this be a famous book? This is just so heavy. And yet you read the autobiography, you read Swami's books, and you feel this lightness because it has the consciousness of the divine. It has the heart open to receive, just like the purification ceremony. Open your heart to me, and I will enter and take charge of your life. Think your way through to the end, <laughs> you could get into really deep water, uh, way down a snowy road with no chains, and you'll just be stuck there, and it'll take you a while until you open your heart. I have to tell you a story from Italy, a long time ago. Uh, Anthony of Padua, great saint who lived a long time ago in Italy, and he was out, and he was preaching the gospel of Jesus, and that was his thing and he went to these different towns. So he went to this one town, I don't know if I should name it, it's bad PR, but it was Rimini in, uh, in Italy, northern Italy, on the Adriatic, and he went to tell everyone about the good news about Jesus Christ and the gospel and how Jesus loves you and all these things, but no one wanted to hear him. <laughs> they just, they just like, no, not today, go somewhere else, Padre, and uh, so he, he said, okay, well, my job is to talk about Jesus. So he, he went down to the harbor there, and he started to give his talk about Jesus to the fish. They were the only ones that wanted to listen. So the fish lined up by size with the little fish in the front, 
big fish in the back. <laughs> so I guess I was one of the big fish. I'm always in the back, you know. And so they're all lined up and they listen to uh, Anthony of Padua tell the story about Jesus. So the townspeople kind of felt pretty bad. And so he gave the talk and then started walking out of the town. And they said, oh, if, uh, Anthony, come back, come back. We're sorry. We, we want to hear about Jesus too. <laughs> so he gave him a talk and they got into it. But that intellectual resistance that people have, we see it a lot. We see it maybe more. I don't know if it's more or less. I, I'm, it's with giving the teachings online. I, you don't see, you don't know how many people are interested, but from what we know about the Ananda.org and Ananda Online, a lot of people are interested and their hearts are open and they're touched by our music or by our schools or by some aspect of what we do. And through that, they open their heart and they feel Master's love. We're all channels of that love and that devotion. You know, uh, Paramahansa Yogananda was talking about Sister Gyanamata at the end uh, of her life and he made a remarkable statement. He said, um, I've searched sister's life and I haven't found a single sin, even of thought. Meaning that he searched her thoughts her whole life and she didn't commit a single sin, even of thought. And Master, uh, it was a statement of how great uh, that that soul was. We are put in different points. Sister Gyanamada didn't write any books. Luckily, she wrote letters to the nuns, and we have the book God Alone. But other than that, she didn't write any books. She just served. But she emanated wisdom. Gyanamata, mother of wisdom. And Rajasi, similarly, didn't write any books. He talked to people. He, we have some of his talks. We have letters to him from Master. But Rajasi wrote very little. It wasn't his dharma. It may not be for us. <laughs> I think Swami wrote enough books for all of us. <laughs> he just, whenever he saw an aspect of the teachings that could be clarified, expressed, deepened, he would write a book or write a song. Notice that all of his songs are about the heart. Uh, it's in the heart that songs of joy resound, not in the head that songs of joy resound. <laughs> it just, it isn't our nature and it isn't our path because it wasn't Master's path. Rajas, um, excuse me, too many saints. Uh, Sri Teshwar was a Jnana avatar incarnation of wisdom, and he gave us wisdom. And he, his philosophy was deep, but what does he say in the holy science? You can't take a single step on the spiritual path without love. <laughs> this is a jnana avatar. This is an incarnation of wisdom. That's what he has to say. So let's practice that. Let's practice keeping our devotion strong. Yes, use your mind. Use, read the books. I read every one of, of Swami Kriyananda's books, and I've read them again and again, because there's so much depth there, but it's depth 
with love, with devotion, with feeling. And that is what we need to use to realize the self. I've always noticed that when I was with, uh, in university and in studying philosophers and even religious philosophers, the lack of joy was really evident. It was so dry. And with Kriyananda, there was joy from the start and there was devotion from the start. And when he picked up a harmonium, uh, you're just, your heart opened. And when we sing his songs, uh, when we chant chants that Master wrote, you can feel that. Keep that in your wisdom. Keep that in your knowledge. By thinking in that way, you will arrive at understanding. But we need to keep that focus and keep that awareness. Keep that consciousness of how much God loves you and that God has given you an intellectual capacity to understand his plan to some extent. I would note that in the autobiography of Yogi, Sri Teshwar says, Babaji's spiritual stature is beyond human comprehension. <laughs> so if you think you're gonna get there with your brain, and uh, good luck, my friends. But I would imagine that use your brain, use the intellect, but keep your heart open. God watches the heart and all of you everyone here and everyone online would not be drawn to these teachings if that touch of the heart had not already begun. Blow on that flame and make it big. God bless you all. A sailor from England remarked to a foe The reason we win is we pray ere we go But we pray as well and just look at our debt Ah, oh, but we pray in English The Englishman said I, my, me, mine 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 I had a little box Ships and a birch canoe and store books of foreign trip and college bronze. Good times and friends are plenty, yes, and also you. But somehow in this box could only fit one school, one family, one country, and one social rule. And certainly one church for only my ways, right? And anyone with other ways is just a fool Well, so I used to think
But now I must confess At judging fools I wasn't any great success Truth somehow lived without me Though I called it mine What box could hold the world? It's just preposterous So this, this next song that we're going to do is titled, In the Temple of Isis. Isis is the mother aspect of God in the ancient Egypt, Egyptian religion. Swami wrote this song after meditating at the Temple of Isis in Aswan. And this is what he wrote as the introduction. O mother all merciful, help us to attune ourselves to thy vibrations to thy rhythms of thought and of feeling. Leaving our ways, may we live in harmony with thy ways. Still your mind if you want to pray. Send all cares far Isis comes, await a day, Mother comes, await the day. Still your soul if you want 
Comes await the day. 